You're listening to WCOM LP 103.5 FM Carborough and Chapel Hill. It's a Tuesday, it's five o'clock, and that only means one thing. It's time for another round of Snarky Faith with your host, Stuart Deloney. This is a space where we irreverently wrestle through life, culture, and spirituality, all with our heads in the clouds, our tongues in our cheeks, our hearts in our sleeves, and our feet on the ground. At Snarky Face, the questions or even the answers are never the point. It's all about the conversation. So here's your host, Stuart Deloney. Good afternoon and welcome to another round of Snarky Faith Radio. I'm your host, Stuart Deloney. Welcome, welcome back again here to Snarky Faith. Thanks so much for joining us here this week. I hope your week is going well so far. So stepping into some of the headlines this week, mainly headlines from last week, but I've been asked by several people, either through email or social media, for my opinion, for my opinion on the Covington Catholic High School kids. You know, the ones that were at the National Mall, stare down with a Native American elder, MAGA hats, So much fun. Remember those kids? All those little scamps. Yeah. I mentioned it briefly on last week's show. Very briefly. Because I didn't really want to get into all this because some of this is just social media stupidity um, with a bunch of privileged little a-holes at the front and center of all of this. But I was asked on more than one occasion, so I feel like I should at least give you a little bit of an opinion on this whole thing. So here's where I stand on all this. And actually, here's, I'll tell you pre, like, where I stand on this. I really want just a lot of this to go away because I feel like it's giving, giving these kids way too much exposure for doing something stupid. See, I believe these kids don't deserve our outrage. I don't. But I do think they deserve our attention. Now, not personally, but I say that because I I think situations like these ones deserve our attention as a symptom of what's happening, A, in America, and B, within American Christianity. I mean if you just dig barely below the surface about this Catholic high school, you'll see it's a school that has a history of being a hot mess for a bunch of other insensitive issues. Uh, They got into trouble for, well, I mean, there's no better way of putting this for having a blackface at an event at a basketball event. Now they'll say, Oh no, it's because we were having a blackout event and we covered ourselves. Yeah, whatever. It's blackface. And they're also famous for not letting their gay valedictorian speak uh, a few years back also. So, you know, you're kind of getting, you're kind of getting a a summary of really what is some of the culture behind this place. So again, I'm not looking to give them any more press. And when I look at the videos and yes, 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 yes. I have seen them. I've seen the alternatives. I've seen all the other stupid videos that are out there about this, about this event. My first question that arises in my head with anyone that has ever worked around teenagers or youth groups or yes, taking large herds of 
have young people from point A to point B on trips like this. My largest question in all of this has always been from the beginning. Where the hell are the chaperones? Um, yeah, that's the question that's not being asked with these kids going crazy. And yeah, where the hell are the chaperones? And, and really, I think the question that's not being asked, I mean, overall, I mean, think about this. It's an all, it, it is an, it's an all male Catholic school. What is this? Like a buffet for priests? I mean, this place has been a problem for a while. And yes, yes, yes. I'm joking about the last part. But we, we begin to see what happened, especially within the media, was there was these epic, there was epic outrage that was really, really quickly backpedaled into all of these apologies. Like, well, we didn't see either side of this or there's a bigger story. And of course, sure, there's a bigger story. But sometimes, sometimes the simplest answer is the truest answer. Because when you see, I'm going to name him because I don't want to be calling out high school kids, but everyone's seen the picture anyways. Um... I've lived long enough to know what ass-faced privilege looks like. And that's what we saw. That's what we saw. The kid was on, I think it was like on NBC in the morning and said, you know, I didn't, I don't have to apologize for anything. It was my right to do this. So again, well done. Well done, Covington Catholic School for being able to teach these ideas of humility. And, you know, things like Jesus would have called us to, like humility. <laughs> forgiveness, uh, knowing when you're wrong, knowing when to say, yeah, I am just sorry. But you know what? None of that happened. And conservatives are rallying around these little red hatted a-holes and continuing to just say like, oh, they're heroes. Look at all of this. I don't know. I don't care. But the way I just summarize all those up in my head is this is again, another, it, it's, it's another snapshot into the issue that's happening in America right now, it's it's a snapshot into the issue of income inequality and into issues of white privilege. It's it's it shows you how good lord how American Christianity is is really in many ways by and large just white privileged Christianity from around the world, and, and it just continues to make me more and more frustrated and sad when I see stories like this, when I even see stories like this getting traction, because we could just, I mean, the easy answer would just be to say, wow, these are just a bunch of privileged little stupid white kids. End of story. That's it. That's it. I mean, their parents raised them that look on their face. They've probably seen from their mom and dads and the school that claims well, I mean, the school that is supposedly about religion and teaching kids to be followers of Christ knows nothing about what that means, how to follow Christ, how to teach humility, how to teach anything, because it just wasn't that one kid. It was all the rest of them as well, too. And again, like I'd mentioned earlier, I've worked around teenagers, especially in the religious sector, a lot of my life. And I know, I know the look on kids' faces when they're being a-holes and they know they're being a-holes. And look at the videos, and that's exactly what it is. No other explanation was needed. I watched those kids, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's a bunch of boys getting together, being progressively more and more offensive and stupid, because that tends to happen. And all this is happening with nobody offering them any form of leadership. And it ends poorly? Of course it does, because it usually ends poorly. And like you hear me say... 
show after show, week after week. Oh, hey, conservatives, none of this has to do with Jesus. And at some point, we need to be able to call out crap when we see it. And it doesn't need to necessarily be, make huge headlines. I think we just need to be able to say, hey, yeah, the answer to fixing this isn't a, a hiring a PR firm. No, it's to be able to take the kids aside and have a teachable moment and not tell them they did everything, that everything they did was right. Because otherwise, that's where we're at right now in our country, where we just polarize and we push each side and, no, oh my gosh, no, there's no way that our side is wrong. No way. So we don't concede, we don't say anything else, and we continue just to affirm our rightness in the situation. Mm-hmm. Seen that happen? Yeah, it continues to happen. So that's all I'm going to say about that for now, hopefully forever on this whole stupid, stupid subject. But I was asked, so I decided to answer. But hey, good news for the week. <laughs> there's, there's no longer a government shutdown for at least a few more weeks until we do this whole thing again. And why are we doing this whole thing again? Oh, baby, baby, baby. We're doing this whole thing because of Trumpy. Because of Trumpy. And we're going to be talking about a lot of that at this hour, where, where the main thrust of our show is going to be talking about what the hell is the future of American Christianity? Is there one? Should there be one? And what the hell is going on? But before we get to that, we're going to have to hop in to the Christian crazy of the week. Here we go. Claude Hammers, the Lord is my shepherd. He know what I want. So first off in the Christian crazy of the week is right wing pastor Rick Scarborough. And typically I think Rick may have showed up on the show in the Christian crazy most likely one way or another over the past while. But I only bring up Rick because there, there are like, there's certain forms of crazy that are just way out there crazy, but Rick's crazy is way out there crazy. But at the same time, it's kind of way in there crazy because Rick, 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 Oh, Rick, 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 Rick was speaking recently about how he has Quote, constant communication with Sarah Huckabee Sanders. I'm going to play a clip here. Um, part of the clip, I'm going to leave out part of it just because he he's essentially entailing all of the different Bible studies that Rick is doing within Washington, within the White House uh, that involves a lot of power brokers within Washington. And Rick, Rick, Rick likes to brag about his close connection, his close communication with Sarah Sanders Huckabee. So first of all, just listen to this, uh, him bragging about this, but then we're going to break down a little bit why you thought Sarah Sanders Huckabee was crazy. You thought her dad was even crazier but you know, the fact that Rick is talking to both of them kind of is a little bit alarming and worrisome. So let's hear what Rick has to say about Hooka Sanders. And then we're going to talk a little bit about Rick's past to make this even more crazy, but not in a fun, crazy way. So there we go. Wonderful how 
people that are in our ministry. And if I could, if I could advertise this without seeming pr- to be proud or prideful, uh, it would get us more people because while our numbers are few, in every department, I, I, I'm teaching uh, Bible to one of the main players in the World Bank, a godly, committed Christian who I'll not name, and uh, we don't name many ever. Uh, but I've been discipling him, and he's just been asked to become the president of the World Bank. Uh, he's considering that right now. I've been working with uh, several congressmen, and one of them was just elected to the highest role that you can play in terms of leadership of the Republican Party. So what Rick is doing here, he's doing kind of one of those humble brags, like, um, you know, I there's there's people that I'm reaching that, you know, wouldn't want to be heard, and, and, you know, we're doing great work, but, you know, I'll go ahead and name drop. I'll go ahead and name drop right here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know the thing I forgot to mention earlier when I was, before I played the clip? Yeah. Rick Scarborough is preaching at First Baptist Church in Enterprise, Texas, when he's talking about this. This is where this clip is coming from. So, yeah. Because, you know, all of this, all this humble bragging uh, totally makes sense for a Sunday morning when someone is preaching. Because, yeah, of course, you know, that's what you do. That's, that is, that is what you do. That, that's how you bring the word of God to the people. You, you humble brag about who you know. And say that you're really not going to name names, but then you name names because he's going to name names right about now. Uh, in fact, uh, he would he would be uh, glad for me to share it with you. It's Mike Johnson, who heralds right out of uh, Shreveport. We've been friends for a long time. He's in his second term, and God just elevated him to be head of the Republican Study Committee, uh, which has 130 Republicans in that uh, caucus, largest caucus up there. If I could just uh, maybe put out a brochure and say, join our Bible study, God will put you at the top. But I think if I did that, he'd put me at the bottom. So, uh, but uh, you pray for us. We have Bible studies in the State Department. Uh, we work in HHS. That's just uh, embryonic and beginning. I have a discipleship ministry with a couple of men at the Pentagon. One of those, those is about to be deployed to Bahrain. Uh, and then uh, collective Bible studies with groups in other departments as well. You know, you know, hearing him talk really makes me think of, of Jesus. When Jesus said, brag as much as you can about those that you know so that everyone else will think you're a thing. I mean, you know, some of that gets lost. Some of it gets lost in the translation. But, you know, you kind of know what Rick's getting at here. You know, he's a total Jesus guy. Total Jesus guy. You know, he's all about creating influence within the government based upon his Bible studies. None of this sounds insidious to anybody because it kind of does me. Sounds a little underhanded. But speaking of underhanded, you're going to want to hear how he finishes this. So let's go, Ricky Bobby. Let's go, Rick. I've been around a long time. And, um, but here's what I've learned. Satan doesn't have any new ideas. He just recycles the old ones. When you see these people storming around the lives of perfectly good people doing their job in government, hurling stones at the windows, shouting epithets, <coughs> standing over their tables while they're trying to eat, I have constant communication with Sarah Sanders. Her father, Mike Huckabee, and I graduated from seminary together. They've been lifelong friends. And I pray for her every day. She and her family can't go out in public. 
goes right back to the days of Lot. Satan didn't have any new ideas. He, ter- he, he just recycles the old ones and terrorizes people. You know, he's right. The, the sacrifices that, you know, Hucka Sanders has endured, the fact that she can't eat in any restaurant she wants to, uh, the fact that she continues to lie for the administration that she's part of, and the fact that she continues to claim that she's at the center of God's will in all of this. It's it's tough. It's it's you know it's it's tough being you know prophet. I mean because again you know press secretary right now where we're at in the world it's pretty much the same as prophet right. I mean I think Jeremiah in the Old Testament was he was essentially like the the press secretary for God. So I mean you know Hakka Sanders and you know it's all it's all the same. It's all the same. And though I love like I was a little bit unclear like was. Was Rick being like literal when he was referring to like Satan's agenda? Because Satan doesn't have any new ideas, but or, or is he just really just talking about Trump? I mean, because again, we've heard Trump play his greatest hits over and over again. And, and well, actually, wait, 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 wait. Should I give Rick the benefit of the doubt? Oh my God, Scarborough, are you referring to Satan as Trump? Oh my goodness. Oh, yeah, actually, no, you're not. But it is fun to think about that. It is totally fun. And if anyone's thinking right now, Stuart, just leave this dude alone. He's just trying to run Bible studies inside the Capitol and preach the word of God. And really, 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 come on, come on. This is his agenda is more about biblical literacy through Bible studies. And that's really what he's all about. And actually, if you want to talk about biblical literacy, we'll get to that a little bit later with Trump. So, yes, you may say that. You may say that. Oh, he's just, you know, spreading the word of Jesus inside Washington. Come on, Stuart. Don't, don't, don't look at it like that. Don't do that. You're missing what he's trying to do. <laughs> you, you want to know what he's trying to do? Oh, so here we have a conversation, which I think you may find a little bit interesting, a conversation that Rick was having when Rick was being Rick back in 2013. I think the conversation's going to go ahead and speak for itself. We need to work on our conservative alternate media to say, look, don't do the pro-gay thing. Why don't you rather step out and support these ex-gays, and we should encourage Fox News to tell their stories. Fox is now telling the stories of black conservatives because the other media is not doing that. We should all get on Fox and say, come on, tell the stories, these wonderful stories of happy men and women who've left the homosexual lifestyle. Uh, Bob, Fox is, had a great... no one in the queue, I'd like to ask a question. Go ahead, Rick. Uh, Peter, the, um, the whole issue of a, a class action lawsuit, you and I have talked about this uh, a little bit, I just wonder if, uh, if, if you've explored that, talked to anyone about it. Uh, it you know, obviously, statistically now, uh, even the Center for Disease Control verifies that uh, homosexuality much more likely leads to AIDS than smoking leads to cancer. And yet the entire nation has rejected smoking uh, billions of dollars, uh, put in a trust fund to help cancer victims, and, uh, and the tobacco industry was held accountable for that. Uh, any thoughts on that kind of an approach? Yeah, I, I think that's great. I would love to see it. You know, we always wanted to see one of the kid in high school who was counseled by the, 
the, the official school counselor to uh, just be gay, and then he comes down with HIV. But we never really got the, the client for that. Yeah, that's Rick Scarborough. That's Rick Scarborough asking those questions there. And, you know, just as much as Trump has recently gotten into learning to be a poet when he had said, build the wall and crime will fall, uh, I'll try it too, because it's really easy, especially when you're like on like second grader, like bully techniques. Uh, I'll use that. Rick is sick. Yep. Rick is sick. And Rick has a pipeline to the press secretary of the president of the United States of America. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Because apparently today is, in the Christian crazy, is the tale of two sick Ricks. So let's get more of sick Ricks because we've got Rick number two. Rick Wiles is a Christian radio or online host. And, you know, Rick's got a couple thoughts here. Rick Wiles. Remember, we're transitioning Ricks. And Ricks, this Rick, has got some ideas about Democrats who oppose Trump's wall. You know, from a Christian perspective. Rick, number two? Look, the military is made up of Americans from the heartland of the country. They're going to back him. They know that he's building a wall for the protection of the country. They're going to back him. And the Democrats and the leftists and the deep state, they're going to be, pardon the pun, they're going to have their backs to a wall. All right? Right. What are they going to do? Are they going to challenge him? Are the leftist Democrats going to riot? Are they going to start civil, defense, civil unrest? Yes. Yes. And then what's going to happen? Well, if we're under a state of national emergency, President Trump could actually use the military to suppress and put That's down. That's right. That's right. And they could, they could be rounded up as subversives. And as soon as you hear these guys talking about rounding up Democrats as subversives, this just going to go ahead and tell you this. This religiously is as bad as Louis CK jerking off in front of people that don't want to be jerked off in front of, because essentially these guys are getting their jollies off right now. And in the video that I'm pulling a lot of this, uh, (laughs) this audio from, I can't see their hands, so I'm not sure exactly how excited they are about this. But I'm gonna tell you, this is—they're like talking. This is like, this is like fan fiction level fantasy that's happening here. Where they're just like they're gonna round them up. Oh, tell me more, and the Democrats will be pleading for mercy. Oh, oh continue on. <laughs> Please. Yeah, it's that gross. It's that sick. But, you know, it's really fun to make fun of. So let, let's let them have a little bit of line before I need to whip out the tissues and clean up the floor here. <laughs> Please, people, people, keep your black lights at bay for these guys talking because I just really don't want to see how they finish. <laughs> Wink. I mean, I don't think the Democrats want to take it this far. They better wise up and stop what they're doing because they're pushing the Republic to the brink of breaking. That's really what's happening. They're pushing the Republic to the brink of snapping. Yes. And it's Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and all of the radical leftists that are behind them. And they better count the cost. What happens if you push the country that far? You snap 
the bonds that hold this country together, you might be shocked at the reaction you get because there's a lot of fury built up inside millions of Americans who are just fed up with what the left is doing and the deep state. They're fed up with it. And if, if the country is pushed to the point of snapping or breaking, I'm telling you, it's, it, they're going to regret the day that they took it that far. They are going to regret it. You think if the president declares a national emergency, that's going to be the beginning maybe of, of a new civil war in America? It, it, it could go that far if the Democrats start civil disobedience. If they try, you know, if they go out in the streets and they become violent and they start attacking conservatives and, you know, who knows what, I mean, we've seen how crazy they'll act. They're not mentally stable. I mean, honestly, the Democrats are not mentally stable. I mean, come on, come on, liberals. You've been warned. You've been warned that Rick sees what's going to happen in this idea of civil disobedience. It's a big it's a big no, 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 no from Rick. No, no, don't do it because somehow, somehow God is a part of this and bad crap is going. I, I don't even like w when I hear these guys talk, I, I, I begin to go back to the fact of what does any of this have to do with God? And and actually, for conservative listeners that like to kind of hate listen to the show, you may say, well, what does you bring up this, Stuart, have to do with God? Well, I'm so glad you hypothetically asked this because I'll hypothetically answer your question. The fact of the matter is I bring this stuff up because all of this that is happening is like a turd smeared on the face of Christianity because none of this has to do with God. All this has to do with politics. None of this has to do with God. And if you guys didn't want to somehow rope God and, and politics into all this, guess what? Christian crazy would evaporate and be gone. It'd be gone. And some may rejoice. Some may have a small little tear go down your face. But either way, you know what? Folks like Rick Wiles or Rick Scarborough, any of the Ricks that we're talking about today, guess what, boys? If you guys want to stop talking crazy smack in the name of Jesus, I will totally drop the Christian crazy. It'll be gone. Blink. Look, I just dropped it. But the fact of the matter is, you guys are talking crazy smack, and I've got to continue to push back because none of this has to do with the kingdom of God, right? Right, right? And along the lines of nothing that has to do with the kingdom of God, <laughs> let's just go ahead and look. I'm going to give him a little bit more line to finish. I'll give Rick a little bit more line to just go ahead and have enough rope to hang himself with. Um, yeah, yeah. Good, Rick. Good, Rick. We're all watching. We're listening. We're listening. They're close to snapping. They're mentally unstable. And all it would take is uh, the leadership of the Democratic Party coming up, uh, doing like they did after uh, President Trump's televised address a couple weeks ago here, and telling the public, we want you to resist the orders of President Trump. We want you to, again, you said civil disobedience, we, we want you to go out and, and, and cause unrest. If they did that, and that was televised, you know the networks would run that. They did it in 2018 elections. Maxine right. Waters said, get up in their face, chase them out of the restaurants. But that's not civil disobedience. Well, they knew that's what a, they were that's doing. Being, that's being a thug. Yes. That's right. But they were trying to stir a revolution. 
and they pushed it pretty far, all right? If he declares a national emergency and starts building that wall, uh, I don't know what they're going to do. But I'm just saying this. If the Democrats and the left push it, they're going to get slammed against a wall. Mm. going to be lights out for the Democrats and the leftists. I'm telling you, the conservative patriots will slam your slimy butt against a wall that you hate. Okay, it's going to happen. They're not going to tolerate it. The American people want law and order in this country. And the Democrats are a party of rebellion. Of lawlessness. Of lawlessness. And they, they better count the cost before they do something crazy. Because there's, there's, a, there's a limit to how much patience the American people are going to show them. Ah, yes, Rick. Thank you for reminding us the scripture that Jesus speaks about when the patience ends and the true believers in Christ are supposed to smack back and push people against a wall because Jesus said, turn the other cheek. Jesus was fairly nonviolent, so I'm not really sure what kind of violence you're referring to amongst these American Christian patriots, because whatever, whatever, whatever that you're trying to spew. And, and this is like the epitome of the Christian crazy is the fact that we have folks that are seen as Christian voices and Christian leaders in all of this inciting things like violence, inciting things like division. If no one bows to Trump, because in your minds, Rick's, both of your Rick's minds believe somehow that Trump is doing God's work. Um, yeah, you are exactly why the Christian crazy on this show exists because Hell, I think we should resist things that are insane and demoralizing and evil and hateful and divisive. Uh, I think all of these things that we talk about resisting are very Jesus-y things. So all of that brings me to the good things of the week. This is, this is, this is, we do this <laughs> ever so often on this show because oftentimes there's not a lot of good to talk about. But this. This is some beautiful goodness I saw this week that is not going to be tagged as part of anything that was done by Christians or religious folks and the like. But I found this as something that was very beautiful. So I give you the good good of the week. And this comes from comedian Patton Oswalt, who actually completely exemplified the nature of Jesus when he was confronted by an internet troll and literally repaid the nastiness with kindness. Oh my gosh. Especially when, when we've just spent a bunch of time ripping through crazy conservative right-wing Christians who would say that they're doing their offensive work for the gospel but when they mention the gospel, they kind of leave out the key ingredient, which is Jesus and everything Jesus said. Yeah, yeah. And Pat Oswald, I have no idea where his belief system is, but Pat Oswald 
is a good dude. And since we're on a show called Snarky Faith, Patton Oswald was pretty much Jesus this week to this internet troll. Don't believe me? Let me tell you about it. So Patton was attacked by an internet troll, Patton Oswald. If no one knows, doesn't really like Trump. And so an internet troll was hitting back at him. And instead of fighting back in the way that most people do when you get into those, those wonderful social media sparring sessions where I'm more right than you are and I'm more smarter than you are and you're more dumber than what, you know, it, it, it devolves. It, like, humanity devolves so many times on social media. But, yes, so there was a, an a dude, an old dude. I'm not trying to get names necessarily involved in this, but uh, Michael Betney is a 64-year-old Vietnam veteran from Huntsville, Alabama. And he was coming after Patton Oswalt, saying some not-so-nice things. And instead of retorting, Mr. Oswalt decided to go ahead and look at this guy. Look, at, look up who's the guy that's saying so many nice things about me. And you know what he found out? He found out that his apparent troll um, had a GoFundMe account. Uh, because he needed $5,000 to cover some urgent medical costs from a recent stay at a hospital. And Pat Oswald ended up saying this. He said, this dude just attacked me on Twitter, and I joked back. But then I looked at his timeline, and he's in a lot of trouble health-wise. Oswald said, I'd be pissed off too. He's been dealt some really cards. So let's deal him some good ones. And Pat Oswald decided to A, donate towards the GoFundMe account to be able to help this guy pay off his medical bills and also retweeted this saying, we should just go ahead and help this guy, you know, because we're hopefully going to be good humans and trying to not be terrible humans. And what came of this was something that was very beautiful. His troll responded by saying this, Patton, you have humbled me to the point where I can barely compose my words. You've caused me to take a pause and reflect on how harmful my words, the words from my mouth, uh, could result in such an outpouring. Thank you for this. And I will pass this along. And you're able to see this. You're able to see we're, we're, we're living in a time where a country is so divided and it's easy to be nasty to one another. But you're able to see goodness come from this. Somebody step up and, 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 and are able to say, I really just don't want to continue this, this process of just a vitriol, this process of anger. And it ends up, it ends up being something beautiful. So for this week, the good good of our week, the good good that we don't always have every week goes to Pat Oswalt. So Pat Oswalt, thank you for being a decent human being. And I'd go as far to say, kind of sounds like a good Samaritan story. It kind of sounds like something that Jesus would absolutely dig. So on the subject of things that Jesus would dig, let's talk right now for the remainder of our show about the future, about the future of American Christianity. So our first article I'm going to hop into here comes from the Religion News Service. 
religiousnews.com, they had an article by Mark Silk called Why More and More Americans Think Religion Is Irrelevant. And let's go ahead and just kind of go, I'll just go ahead and quote from the article. Um, He says, 1952, on the eve of the so-called Eisenhower revival, 75% of Americans said that religion was, quote, very important in their lives, and 20% said that it was, quote, fairly important. Now the numbers are 51% and 21, but the bulk of the shift has taken place, uh, had taken place by the 1970s with little change since then. And so what we're beginning to see is that Americans are saying more and more, what's the deal with religion? And Silk had this to say at the end of his article. Since Barack Obama became president in uh, 2009, a yawning gap has opened up that has, of this month, um, is as wide as gap in Gallup history, with 78% saying Religion isn't declined, and just 19% saying it's on its rise. Evidently, Americans do not see the rise of evangelical power in the White House as evidence of religion's uh, increasing influence on life in the U.S. Finally, there's a question about whether religion can answer, quote, all of, all or most of today's problems, versus whether it's, quote, old-fashioned and out-of-date. And Silk finishes his article by saying this, that back in 1957, 87% opted to say that religion can answer. 7% said it's out of date. And today, that 80-point gap has shrunk to a mere 7 points. 46% versus 39%. Half of the shrinkage had taken place by the mid-70s, and during the Obama years, there was a significant additional dip. So we're seeing the rise of the fact that Americans are saying that religion really isn't able to answer the questions that are going on today. Or, if I'm going to put this in my own snarky, snarky way of saying it, is that religion has ceased to ask the right questions and give the right answers for what is happening in the world today. Now, uh, it's easy to take an article like this and begin to say that uh, Christianity, the roots of what Jesus taught, have no place in modern American society, that it's part of an old way of thinking back to a pre-medieval time. Because again, you know, we know this, that the wall and the wheel came from the medieval times, and they're so good today. What about Jesus? I'm being sarcastic here in this, but this article is trying to point out the fact that more and more Americans are beginning to say, in a very Seinfeld way, what's the deal with religion and why the hell should it matter today? And I, I speak about this, especially in the age of Trump, where, where, where just recently, where Donald Trump is getting excited about something other than the wall. That's right. Trump is excited totally excited about a push to introduce Bible literacy classes to public schools. This comes from an article uh, in Politico called Trump Calls Bible Literacy Classes in Schools, quote, great. And the article quotes him 
from his Twitter bot by saying this. Uh, here's what Trump had said via Twitter. Numerous states introducing Bible literacy classes, giving students the option of studying the Bible, starting to make a turn back? Question mark. Great. And I can only seem that Trump is saying stuff like this because, hey, if kids were more biblically literate, those little a-holes at Covington Catholic High wouldn't have done what they did, right? Is that what we're getting at? <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. Because if those kids knew who Jesus was and what he preached, uh, they would really, really not have done anything, and there never would have been a news story. But yes, this is the President of the United States talking about the fact that he thinks it's great that certain states believe that we need to have a bu biblical literacy class in school. I mean, this is coming from a man that is totally biblically literate, as we know he is. And we're going to protect Christianity, and I can say that. I don't have to be politically correct, or we're going to protect it, you know? And I, I asked Jerry and I asked some of the folks, because I hear this is a major theme right here, but 2 Corinthians, right? 2 Corinthians 317, that's the whole ballgame. Where the Spirit of the Lord, right? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And here there is Liberty College, but Liberty University. But it is so true. You know, when you think, and that's really, is that the one? Is that the one you like? I think that's the one you like, because I loved it. And it's so representative. Of so what's thank you so place. much, President Theologian Dumbass, uh, for giving us two Corinthians here because this guy has never been around a Bible. I'm just going to go ahead and say this really doesn't know how to read in general. This isn't even biblical literacy. I, I would hope that like Melania's be best would also be about getting her, pre her president husband to be able to just read. Read, 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 but yes, yes. So our two Corinthians president is so, so, so concerned with biblical literacy because apparently he don't do phonics too great or good. Sadly, yes, that is our president. And he is also, he's behind pushing for these biblical literacy bills that are being introduced by six different state legislatures across the country that would require or encourage public schools to offer electives in the class, classes on uh, biblical literacy and historical significance. Significance. Oh, because, you know, and I know Christians are going to think this. Oh, We've pushed God out of schools, and if only we could have an elective class or a class that we're forced to take helping us to become biblically literate in an entire class, that's what's going to heal our nation. So let's track through what we've talked about so far today, folks. Uh, yeah. Religion is becoming more and more irrelevant in our country. Our president is trying to 
push classes on biblical literacy, and we also have a vice president whose wife works for a school that is anti-LGBTQ. That is terrible and disgusting, and what is happening now? I mean, I, I feel like that that is like the encapsulation of our entire show that we've been talking about right now. I mean, stories like this really seem to <laughs> they seem to solidify art that I know was happening in Israel that caused quite a stir. Uh, there was a it's an art piece called McJesus. And it's the uh, the work from a uh, from 2015 by a Finnish artist named Jani uh, Leononen uh, that portrays Ronald McDonald on the cross being crucified. And many people were outraged at this piece of art, but honestly, we've got like a Mick president and he continues to push Mick Jesus with his vice president that's Mick closeted. And, 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 and we are just living in a time where when I read articles like we did earlier in the show of saying that religion is irrelevant in America and everything have that we have talked about this hour should scream to you, yes, yes, Christianity is absolutely freaking irrelevant in America. Now, do I think the teachings of Jesus are irrelevant and should be thrown by the wayside? Absolutely not. Do I think the way that the American industrial Christian complex has framed Jesus and found a way to make a lot of money from Jesus? That part of it needs to be thrown away? Absolutely. So when I see statues, or I'm sorry, works of art like McJesus, I tend to see them and go, yes, I, I absolutely applaud them. And I know Christians would say, that's blasphemy. Well, honestly, if you have a problem with that, you should have a problem with the way that uh, <laughs> American Christianity is running because that sucker is blasphemy. And the fact that we have art like McJesus on display, it's speaking to that form of blasphemy. See, you're, you're, you're getting, like, the references wrong, Christianity. Pieces of art like this are meant to liberate us and meant to make us feel uncomfortable and make us feel disgusted to say, oh, my gosh, no, my face should not be like this. It shouldn't be. And then we take a deep breath, a, con a contemplative breath, and say, how can this be different? How can this be different? Then the problem here is in the fact that we're asking the wrong questions. We're responding to the wrong issues and stimuli within Christianity. We get caught up in the wrong things. Like I, I had looked up articles earlier uh, going through uh, church decline or decline of religion in America. And you know what I found from, from Christian authors and bloggers out there? They were things like how to increase attendance, how to reach millennials, how, 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 how. And when I read those, the synthesis of what they're saying is simply this. 
How do we make sure we have enough attendance in our churches so they can continue to pay for themselves and their staff and everything that has nothing to do with Jesus? See, my answer, finding an answer to this, is F attendance. Just screw it. Just screw attendance. Screw the questions we're asking. Why is church attendance shrinking? Wrong question. Wrong question. Wrong question. Because Jesus never preached about how to get great crowds. Jesus never preached about how to get so many butts in the pews and how to make a bunch of money. No, he didn't talk about that crap. He talked about living self-sacrificially. He talked about loving and uh, sacrificially. He talked about having compassion uh, to those that are hurting and need it. And when we look at the southern border and what is happening down there, Christians being able to say, oh, we need a wall. You've already lost Christianity when you answer like that. When we worry about how many people are in the pews in our church buildings, we've already lost Christianity in all of this. You don't believe me? Uh, let's go ahead and talk through this, our last bits that we're going to delve into this hour. And this is a, it's a great article called Christianity's Future. Uh, Christianity's Future looks more like Lady Gaga than Mike Pence. This is by uh, Guthrie Graves Fitzsimmons uh, over on CNN. And he be begins the article like this. What type of Christian are you? Do you stand with Lady Gaga and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or Mike Pence, or Sarah Sanders. Two disputes last week between prominent Christians from faiths progressive and fundamentalist sides will help you decide. He says, Lady Gaga, a newly minted Academy Award nominee, called out Mike Pence over, uh, over the weekend. His wife, Karen, made headlines for working at a, quote, Christian private school that bans LGBTQ students and parents. Uh, and that didn't go over too well with Lady Gaga, who has been a very open about her Christian faith and supports the LGBT community. Quote, you, Mike Pence, uh, say you should not discriminate against Christianity. You are the worst representative of what it means to be a Christian. Lady Gaga said from the stage of MGM Parks Theater in Las Vegas, I'm a Christian woman and I know what I, uh, and what I, I do know about Christianity is that we bear no prejudice and everyone is welcome. And we begin to see this divide. We begin to see this divide where we end up having the conservative Christians that hold to a cultural standard of what they believe Christianity to be, which, again, a cultural standard is something that they have established probably within the past 50 to 75 years, and they have made that into orthodoxy. Or you get to what Lady Gaga is actually saying here is the fact of, the way Mike Pence and his wife and people like Mike Pence are walking out their faith has nothing to do with Jesus. Has nothing to do with Jesus. The article continues on saying this. On Tuesday, Fox News anchor Sean Hannity asked Sarah Sanders about Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and her proposal for the, quote, New Green Deal. The White House press secretary responded that climate change should be left up to God. That's my emphasis, not hers. I'm going to continue to quote Sarah Huckasanders. I don't think that we're going to listen to her 
on much of anything, particularly anything that we uh, that will leave uh, into the hands of a much higher authority, Sanders said, and certainly not listen to the freshman congressman, congresswoman on when the world may end. And what she is, and she and Hannity are, are talking about this. When she was talking about this, uh, AOC had said, had quoted back at her saying this, Genesis 1, God looked on the world and called it good, not once, not twice, but seven times. Genesis 2, God commands all people to, quote, serve and protect creation. Leviticus, God mandates that not only the people, but the land that sustains them shall be respected. It's a weird thing in the world where you begin to see people that lie outside the lines of traditional Christianity being more Jesus than those that are inside the lines of traditional Christianity. This is why we are in a place right now where Christianity is very, very sick. And when infections tend to happen, the whole idea behind getting rid of the infection means you have to root it out. Um, we have to get rid of the infection. And guess what? And guess what? And guess what? The old holders of the mantle of American Christianity, they are sick. They don't give two sh about Jesus. They don't care about the words of Christ. They care about their power. They care about their prestige. They care about their platform. They care about being able to continue to do what they want to do and do not care about the earth. They do not care about the marginalized. They do not care about those that are suffering. And that is a huge problem with the biblical roots of Christianity. When you dump out the mandate of the kingdom of God, that is to Love your neighbor and love your enemy. See, when you do that, love your neighbor, love your enemy. Oh, wait, wait, wait. what are we hearing here? Oh, you're supposed to love the people that you like and love the people that you don't like. We're supposed to love God. We're supposed to love others. And with this mandate has been lost by these people that continue to say, I'm a good Christian. I am going to enforce crazy stuff like biblical literacy when we have no idea what it means to simply love others. What's the friggin' point? What's the friggin' point of church? What's the friggin' point of Christian colleges? What's the friggin' point of making biblical literacy classes uh, happen in schools? There's no point. Simply put, if, if Christianity in America is unwilling to love people, is unwilling to be compassionate, is unwilling to be graceful, it's already dead. It's already dead. And we don't need to worry about how attendance is falling and anything else like that because it's already effing dead. But the future of Christianity lies outside the lines of the institution. Because as we've ta also talked about this hour, is there's a resurgence to being decent humans, to being Jesus-y humans that love others and do the right thing even when it costs something of themselves. These people don't care about power. They don't care about privilege. They don't care about platform. They do the right thing because that's the right thing. And that's all I've got this hour. And as we end this broadcast, just a reminder, you can catch us on podcast at www.snarkyfaith.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. 
each and every week with me being one of the few voices screaming out in the wilderness that faith isn't what it should be, but it can be what it should be if we decide to change things. So I leave you this week and send you off with the holiest amount of grace and peace and snark. Go out into your communities and be the difference that needs to happen. Give people dignity, show people love, and be Jesus to people. I'm out of here. WCOM is listener-supported community radio, and Snarky Faith is only possible through our sponsors. Lumen, a spiritual community of seekers, sojourners, question-askers, doubters, and skeptics, is a collective of fellow travelers that embrace the truth that all of life is sacred, hope is real, and tomorrow can be a better day than today. All are welcome. You can find more information at www.lumencommunities.com.